let God transform your life as you listen to this inspiring sermon by Rev. Richard C. Whitcomb. Saturday, November 6, 2010, was a happy day for 30-year-old Chen Wei-Yi from Taipei, Taiwan, China. It was her wedding day. Chen wore a beautiful white gown. She had a lovely wedding ceremony in front of family and close friends. There were flowers and music and a gold ring and a fabulous wedding cake. There was everything that a woman could want in a wedding except for one thing. There was no man to marry. Hey, no groom, no husband. In fact, Chen Wei-Yi married herself. What? How can you marry yourself? I, Chen Wei-Yi, do take myself, Chen Wei-Yi, to be my lawfully wedded self? Spouse? I mean, it doesn't make any sense. Why would this beautiful woman marry herself? Well, it seems that Chen had been searching for a husband for many years. She wanted to get married, but she couldn't find any suitable partner. She faced increasing pressure from her mother and her family to get married, and time was running out, but there was no man in sight. So Chen decided to marry herself. Listen to what she said. Age 30 is a prime period for me, Chen said. My work and experience are in good shape, but I haven't found a partner. So what can I do? Maybe you've never considered marrying yourself, but if we're honest with each other today, we would all have to admit that at some time or the other, we've all asked the same question about important relationships in our lives. What can I do? How can I find a man to marry me? How can I know that this woman is truly the love of my life? How can I make my marriage fulfilling? How can I get past my hurts and really connect with family and friends? For if we're honest today, we would all have to admit that relationships are one of the most important aspects of our lives, and yet they can be one of the most frustrating aspects of our lives as well. Relationships can bring great joy, but they can also bring a lot of pain, whether it's a hurt from a parent or the wound from a broken marriage or a lost love or the pain and suffering from a prodigal son. Relationships can be frustrating. Do you need relationship rescue? Maybe you're here today and you feel frustrated because you're not married. Maybe you're here today and you feel frustrated because you are married and you wish you weren't. Maybe you're frustrated because you've had so many relationships and none of them have lasted. Maybe you're frustrated because right now things just don't make sense in your relationships. But the good news for all of us is that God knows all about relationships. He's known every man and every woman who's ever lived. He's watched every problem in every marriage in every relationship develop. He's aware of all the excuses, all the confusion, and all the emotions and pain that relationships can bring. He's seen it all, and he cares about you. He knows what will help you. Amen? Hallelujah. God knows how to rescue you 
and your relationships. That's why David wrote in Psalm 144.7, reach down from heaven and rescue me. Somebody shout rescue me. Deliver me from deep waters. And that's why today I'm starting a new sermon series titled Relationship Rescue. Throughout this month of love, we're going to trust God to rescue us from the deep waters of relationship issues. We're going to see God heal marriages. We're going to see God bring single people into good relationships. Hallelujah. We're going to see God heal the wounded. We're going to see God bring his truth to us to rescue us and provide a foundation for growth in every relationship in our lives. So where do we begin? We need to go back to the basics. And that's the title of our sermon today, Back to the Basics. But before we go on, let's bow our heads and pray. Almighty and everlasting Father, we cry out with David today, Lord, Reach down and rescue me. Reach down and rescue me from the deep waters of relationship turmoil. Save me from the hurt. Save me from the pain. Save me from the confusion that relationships can bring. Deliver me from frustration. And today, rescue me. Bring healing, bring light, bring life, bring peace, bring grace, bring joy into my life, into our lives, into every relationship. Father, we submit to you now. We bind every voice of the devil that would come to deceive or disturb or distract us. And in the name of the Lord Jesus, I loose the power of the Holy Spirit to reach down and rescue all of us in our relationships. We thank you by faith in Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Come on and join your faith with me right now. Put your hand on your chest. Pray like you mean it. Just say after me, Lord Jesus, speak to my heart. Change my life. Manifest your glory in me. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Hallelujah. Come on and give the Lord some praise. Amen. Well, hello everyone and welcome to Truth For Today. I'm so glad that you've joined me as we study God's Word together. I'm especially glad you're here with me today as I begin a new sermon series titled Relationship Rescue. And I'm excited about this series because I believe marriages are going to be restored this month. Come on, say amen. I believe that singles are going to get God's revelation this month. And by this time next year, there will be weddings in this church. Come on and shout amen. Amen. I believe there will be healing for the brokenhearted. I believe there will be hope for folks facing relationship frustration. I believe the lonely will find comfort and the angry will find peace. If you believe it, shout amen. Amen. See, friends, I believe that God is something for all of us in this series because we all deal with relationships, amen? If you're dealing with a relationship right now, wave your hand at me and shout hallelujah. You may be young and you're not even ready to get married, but nevertheless, there are relationships all around you now that are shaping you for your future family. So even if you're a long ways from getting married, the principles you will learn in this series will help prepare you for that time ahead. And the truths we learn in this series can help with all kinds of relationships, with marriages, with engagements, with friendship, with fellowship, with work relationships. Some of what I'm 
going to teach you deals strictly with married people, but you can still learn the principles. Some of what I will teach you deals only with single bachelors. Tell your neighbor he's talking about you. But you can still learn from the principles because there are some basic principles from God's Word that guide us all through our relationship issues. And when we learn these truths and put them into practice, we find fulfillment and peace in everyday life. Now, to help us learn the truth for today, we prepared sermon notes. You can download those free of charge from our website or social media platforms, or you can take them out and follow along with me right now to get back to the basics. And to get back to the basics, we're going all the way back to the very first human relationship of Adam and Eve. We find their story in the book of Genesis. The word Genesis means beginning. And as we look at the beginning of all human relationships, we discover some interesting truths. So let me read Genesis 2, 18 to 24. Now receive the word of the Lord. Then the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. And all the bachelors said, amen. I will make a helper who is just right for him. Say just right for him. So the Lord God formed from the ground all the wild animals and all the birds of the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And the man chose a name for each one. He gave names to all the livestock, all the birds of the sky, and all the wild animals. But still, there was no helper just right for him. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. While the man slept, the Lord God took out one of the man's ribs and closed up the opening. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib, and he brought her to the man. At last, the man exclaimed, this one is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She will be called woman because she was taken from man. This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife and the two are united into one. May the Lord bless the reading of his word to your heart today in Jesus' name. And everybody said... Now, friends, there's a lot of truth in this story, but let me tell you one thing that really hits me from this passage, and that's this. Man was not meant to be alone. But the funny thing is, when you think about it, man was not actually alone before Eve came along. I mean, after all, he had God there with him to fellowship. He had the animals all around him. But when God looked down at man, he saw a deeper need. God knew that man needed a deeper level of fellowship and companionship and relationship. So God created woman. And this brings us to a very interesting truth. I do not want anyone to misunderstand me today. But the fact is this. As much as we need our relationship with God. That one relationship alone with God was not all that God intended for man. Our relationship with God is the primary and most important relationship, but God did not create you to live only with him. As basic as it is to have a relationship with God, your life is not complete with God alone. See, God could have created a different, separate heaven for every single human who ever lived. 
God is big enough. He could have created a different heaven for you and a different one for me so that when we die, we go to heaven and we would have been alone with God for eternity in heaven and it would have been great, but God didn't do that. He gave us one heaven for him and for all of us together. So we will spend eternity in heaven with God and with one another. And that signifies the importance of companionship and fellowship in our lives. And that fellowship began with one another when the Lord made a helper, a companion, just right for man. See, all the animals were helpers to man, but they were not companions to him. The cow could plow, the horse could carry the man, the dog could guard him, the sheep could provide wool for him, the hen could give him eggs, they could help him, but they could not provide companionship. They were good for man, but they were not just right because man needs companionship man needs friendship man needs family man needs love he needs fellowship so God made woman she came out of man she was like him but different and God made Adam and Eve not Adam and Steve see friends the fact is very clear man was meant for one woman You know how we know that man was meant for only one woman? Because Jesus said, no man can serve two masters. So obviously a man can only have one wife. If you believe it, say amen. The Bible says the woman was bone of his bone and flesh of his flesh. She was just right. That's why women are more beautiful than men. Because man came from raw material, but woman came from finished product. So here we have the first human relationship. A handsome, fresh man. A beautiful new woman. She was just right for him. Tell your neighbor she was just right for him. Bone of his bone, flesh of his flesh. They lived in paradise. Hey, they lived with God. They had everything they needed. Food and shelter, peace, and everything was perfect. You would think that a fresh new man with a fresh new woman who was just right for him, living in paradise, living with God without any need, you would think everything would be perfect. Hey. But if you continue reading in Genesis into chapter 3, you find a shocking truth. Even though things were perfect for them in paradise, a problem developed. Something came up which brought trouble to the newly wedded couple. And that brings us to our first truth today about relationships. It's a basic truth that applies to all types of relationships for all types of people everywhere. And it is this. Here's your basic truth number one. There are challenges in every relationship. You would think that with the woman uniquely created for man and just right for him, things would have been perfect. I mean, think about this. Adam had no mother-in-law. Hey! Adam had no other women to distract him. Hey! Adam did not have work. He had no boss, no time clock, no traffic, no children to disrupt. Hey! In fact, things should have worked out very well for the first couple. 
But that's not the case. Listen to what happened to this perfect couple in Genesis 3, verses 1 to 7. The serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. One day, the serpent asked the woman, Did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees of the garden? Of course we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, the woman replied. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat. God said you must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you will die. You go finish. Oh, you won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it, and you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. So the woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful, and its fruit looked delicious, and she wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. Then she gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it too. At that moment, their eyes were opened, and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. And suddenly we find trouble in paradise. This perfect couple in a perfect relationship, in the perfect environment, no in-laws, no kids, no work, no pressure, no rent, no ECG, they had problems. And if they did, you will also. If Adam and Eve had a misunderstanding between themselves and a disagreement, then you will certainly face the same type of challenge. In fact, the truth is every relationship, every marriage, every couple, every family has challenges like Adam and Eve. And the fact that you have challenges does not mean that it is God's will for you to be together. It does not mean you should walk out of the relationship. It does not mean that you are bad people. It's simply a fact that whenever two imperfect people get together, you're going to have an imperfect relationship. So what were some of the challenges Adam and Eve had? They faced the same challenges we do today in every relationship. First of all, they faced the challenge of doubt. Listen to Genesis 3.1. The devil tempts Eve and he begins by sowing doubt. Did God really say you shouldn't eat the fruit? And so the devil sowed doubt in Eve's mind and the result was a broken relationship with God. And this same temptation of doubt is what is breaking relationships today. Doubt says, is this the right person? Am I loving the right person? Is he or is she all I really want? What if they only want my money? Or some of you might be thinking, what if she is a witch? Hey. The second challenge they faced was fear. Listen to verse 7. The Bible says they were naked and they felt shame. See, when doubt came in and problems started, then they realized they were naked. Before that time, they had been naked and unashamed. They were free and honest and open and transparent. But when trouble brews in a relationship, it brings fear. The fear of being rejected. The fear of being exposed. The fear of being inadequate. 
This reminds me of the story of the young couple that were madly in love and wanted to get married. However, each one of them had a deep, dark secret. They had never told this secret to anyone, not even to themselves. And as the big day approached, they grew apprehensive. Both of them were doubtful and fearful. Each had a problem they'd never shared before. And the groom-to-be finally decided he had to tell someone. So he went to his dad and said, Father, I am deeply concerned about the success of my marriage. I love my fiancé very much, but you see, my feet stink very badly. This is no ordinary odor. My feet smell so bad in the morning, it's unbearable to be in the same room with my stinky feet. Hey, I don't know what to do. I'm afraid it will drive my wife from the marriage. The father said, no problem. All you have to do is wash your feet every night and wear socks. Even when you go to bed, even when you're having sex, wear socks is okay. And you, she will never know your feet are smelling. Well, this seemed like a good solution, so the man agreed, and he practiced it. The bride-to-be overcame her apprehension, and she went to her mother and said, Mom, when I wake up in the morning, my breath is very, very bad. The mom said, Oh, everybody has bad breath in the morning. The woman said, No, you don't understand. My breath is so bad, it will knock you out. Hey, it's worse than sticky feet. I'm afraid if my husband greets me and I say good morning, he will leave the marriage. Her mother said, do this. When you get up in the morning, do not say one single word to your husband. Don't open your mouth at all. Go straight to the washroom, brush your teeth, and then you can greet him. If you never say a word, he will never know. And the bride thought, well, that's worth a try. So finally, the loving couple was married in a beautiful ceremony. Both the husband and wife kept very strictly to the instructions their parents had given them. He always wore his socks to bed, and she never said a word till she had brushed her teeth. And things seemed to work out for a good six months. But then... One fateful morning, the man woke up before dawn and realized that in the night, one of his socks had come off of his feet. The smell was already beginning to permeate the room. In a panic, he started under the cover, under the bedsheet, looking for his sock. He had to put his sock back on. But as he was there searching for the sock, he woke up his wife. She woke up suddenly, and before she thought of what she was doing, she said, What are you doing? And her breath came out. And the man said, oh my God, you swallowed my sock. Hey. The fact is we all bring things into our relationships that may make us feel ashamed or afraid, fear of the truth being revealed, fear of rejection. And these same things can bring fear in your mind and heart. And you think, what will he think of me when he knows who I really am? Am I good enough for her? Am I adequate? Will she leave me? Will she betray me? Will she think that I'm sufficient for her? Will she compare me to someone else? Some time ago, we took a random survey on relationships amongst our members here at Agape House. The results are interesting, and I'll share them with you later on, bit by bit, as we go on. But I found this perhaps the most interesting result of our survey among our members. When we asked our members, what is the most difficult thing for you to do in a relationship? The number one answer, the most difficult thing to do in a relationship, was the word trust. Trust was the number one answer for the most difficult thing for you to do in a relationship.
And that's because fear is the opposite of trust. Fear of being known, fear of being rejected, fear of being abandoned. Adam and Eve felt that fear and it continues to us today, to people everywhere. Adam and Eve were challenged by doubt. They were challenged by fear. And the third challenge they faced was comparison. Satan came to tempt Eve to try to get her to compare herself to God. Verse 5 says he told her, you will be like God. And this struggle affects our relationships today. The challenge of comparison asks, are we doing as well as that couple? Is he as good as the last man I had? Is he doing for me what my husband's wife does for him? See, friends, the fact is these same challenges are still with us today. They affected Adam and Eve, and they affect us today. Every relationship has problems. Every relationship has challenges. Every relationship has to overcome the myth of perfection. We have to accept that there are no perfect relationships because there are no perfect people. Without Christ. Without Christ, we're all selfish people. Now, I'm not trying to be negative. I'm not cursing your relationships. I'm not trying to discourage you about your marriage or your future when I say every relationship has challenges. I'm only trying to let you know that when you face challenges in your relationships, you are not unique and you are not alone. See, some of you are not married today because you can't find the perfect man. Sister, the perfect man does not exist. And some of you are thinking about leaving your marriage. You think, I'm going to leave my wife because she's so bad. Brother, let me tell you, you're just as bad as she is. Somebody say amen. Imperfect people make imperfect relationships. Even couples that have been married for a long time will tell you it's not always easy. It's not always happy. It's not always peaceful and perfect. Reminds me of the married couple who'd been married for 60 years. They shared everything except there was one secret in their marriage. The wife had a very small box. She kept it in the top of her wardrobe and she had told her husband, you are never allowed to look in the box and we will never discuss this box. Leave it. Don't worry about it. And the husband decided to honor that one request. So she kept the box there. He didn't know what it was what was in it. But one day the wife got sick. She was very old by now and they determined she didn't have long to live. And so the husband said, please, madame, in my wife, let's talk about the box. So she said, okay, go and bring it. He went and brought the box and opened it. And inside were two bead necklaces and a stack of money, plenty money. So the man said, what is these two bead necklaces and this stack of money? Then the lady said, well, just before we were married, my mother told me the secret of a happy marriage was to never argue. She said, if I ever got angry with you, I should just keep quiet and make a bead necklace. Then the husband was moved to tears. You mean in the whole 60 years we've been married, you only got angry with me twice? You only made two bead necklaces? She laughed. She said, oh no. That's where all the money came in. It's from all the necklaces I made. And I sold them because every day I got angry with you. Relationships have challenges. But Psalm 62, 5 gives us hope. It says, my soul waits silently for God alone, for my expectation is from him. 
And the secret to successful relationships is putting your expectation in God alone, not in your partner, not in the other person. Don't give up. Don't walk out. Put your expectation in God. Don't expect your husband or your wife to fulfill all your needs. Don't look to them to make you happy. Look to God and God alone and allow him to fill you with his love, his peace, and his joy. Adam and Eve lived in a perfect place with no stress and no pressure, but they had relationship challenges because they weren't perfect. And you may think today, well, if I only lived somewhere else, if we only lived in the U.S., if I had a car, if I had a better job or a better house, things would be different. But instead of placing your hope in circumstances, place your hope in God. Rather than expecting your husband or wife to be perfect, ask God to change you. And that brings us to our second basic truth today. Our second basic truth is I I must take responsibility for the success of my relationships. See, friends, God allows challenges in relationships so that we can grow through them. He uses relationship issues to perfect us and grow us. You will never have a better relationship with your husband or wife or family or friends until you accept responsibility for your role in the relationship. It's not up to the other party. It's up to you. Tell your neighbor it's up to you that's why you have to stop playing the blame game playing the blame game made the relationship between Adam and Eve worse when God discovered them hiding in the garden God confronted them he asked them what have you done and listen to Adam and Eve start to play the blame game in Genesis 3 12 to 13 the man replied it was the woman you gave me She gave me the fruit, and I ate it. Then the Lord God asked the woman, what have you done? The serpent, the serpent. It was the devil who deceived me. That's why I ate it. And suddenly we see this blame game begin. Adam had called his wife beautiful and perfect, bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. He was amazed by her. But suddenly he's turned and is blaming her. It was her. She did it. And that's the universal problem. When trouble comes in a relationship, people start to play the blame game. We blame others. We blame the other person. He made me do it. She made me do it. If not for their behavior, I would not have got angry. They made me become like this. If my mother, if my father, if my family had done this or done that, if my friends had done this or done that, I don't know what it's like at your house. But I recently discovered that a stranger was living in my home. Yes, I don't know where he came from. He's not one of my children. He's not one of my relatives. Yet he seems to be around every day. And I've discovered what his name is. Do you want to know the name of the stranger living in my house? His name is not me. Not me lives at my house. When I see a broken glass, I said, who broke the glass? Not me. If I go into a room and the light was left on, I said, who left the light on the room? Not me. If there's dirt on the floor, I said, who spilled this dirt? Not me. You know who it was? Not me. Not me lives at my house. Does not me live at your house? Because we all love to play the blame game. But think about this. Adam should have stopped his wife. The Bible indicates he was right there when the devil tempted her. Why didn't he stand up and protect her and take control? He had a responsibility but he didn't. So don't blame the other person. Don't blame external pressure. 
the next time you become upset or angry and blame someone for your response, think about your tube of toothpaste. This morning, God willing, you squeezed the tube of toothpaste and out came toothpaste. The reason the toothpaste came out is because that is what is in the tube. When you squeeze something, what's inside comes out. And that's how it is for us. When pressure comes from external circumstances and squeezes you, and you spill out angry words and nasty attitudes, then that's simply what's inside of you. Don't blame someone else for your response. It is what was in you that came out. The pressure only revealed what was inside. For the pressure of squeezing the tube did not create the toothpaste. It only revealed the toothpaste. And the pressure of life, the pressure of traffic, the pressure of work, the pressure of relationships only brings out what's inside of you. It reveals who you really are. And sometimes God allows you to get squeezed to show you who you really are so he can change you. But at the end of the day, all the pressures in your relationships, all the pressure from work and traffic is only pressure. It can affect you, but it cannot force you. You still have a free choice. If you've ever been tempted and said no, then you're living proof that a man or woman does not have to yield to temptation. If you've ever been pressured to do something wrong, but you resisted the pressure, then you are living proof that we can resist the pressure and make the right choice when we turn to God. God and call on him. All it takes is one time in your life to say no to temptation and you have the evidence that with the power of God you can overcome temptation. You can control your temper. You can be changed inside so that when the pressure comes your relationships will come out better not bitter. And you know what? Not only people blame one another, but people blame the devil. That's what Eve did in verse 13. She said, it was the devil's fault. And today we are so fond of blaming the devil. Oh, the devil made me do it. It was the witch or wizard in the village. It seems almost every sin we commit, we blame the devil. But think about this. Adam and Eve sinned. There was only one devil for two people. One devil, two people. Today there's still only one devil, but there's six billion people in the world. So the devil is outnumbered. Somebody say amen. The number of demons is not increasing. Devils are not giving birth to baby demons. So as the number of people grows, uh, there are less demons to go around. Stop blaming the devil. I tell you this right now. He probably doesn't even know your name. Hey, You're not that important to Satan. Tell your neighbor he's talking about you. Devil is not omnipotent. The devil is not omniscient. He's not omnipresent. He's not everywhere at all times. He is a fallen angel. He's not like God. He doesn't know everything. He's in one place at a time. He doesn't know all things. So stop blaming the devil. Because the lust and the anger inside of you is not coming from him. It's coming from your own sinful nature. See, a lot of times people blame others and blame the devil, and sometimes they even blame God. Adam did this when he said to God, look, the woman you gave me, she made me sin. So somehow now it's God's fault. 
for his sin. But listen to James 1, 13 to 15. Don't let anyone under pressure to give in to evil say, God is trying to trip me up. God is impervious to evil and puts evil in no one's way. The temptation to give in to evil comes from us and only us. We have no one to blame but the leering, seducing flare-up of our own lust. Lust gets pregnant and has a baby. Sin. Sin grows up to adulthood and becomes a real killer. So what's the solution? What's the lifeline to rescue our relationships? Well, that brings us to our third basic truth. Basic truth number three, you must make God the center of your relationships. See, here's the good news, friends. Every relationship will face challenge, and God wants you to take responsibility for your relationship. But best of all, God knows you today. He knows every relationship, and he's on your side to work with you to rescue your relationships and make them everything he wants them to be. No matter how bad things have become, there's hope with God. He can restore a broken marriage. He can heal a broken heart. He can resurrect a shattered dream. He can heal the most wounded among us. He can turn your heart back to love and make you whole again. That's what he did for Adam and Eve. Though they sinned, he did not cast them off. Though they blamed each other and even blamed him, God still had hope for them. There's hope for every relationship through Jesus. Christ. If you believe it, say amen. For in Genesis 3, 14 to 24, we see the promise that came out of this troubled relationship. First, God gave the woman a prophecy of hope. Everybody say a prophecy of hope. In Genesis 3.15, God says, the offspring that Eve would produce will crush the head of Satan. In other words, out of the woman came the conqueror. The one who first yielded to the devil is the one who would produce the child of promise to destroy the devil. So know today that even the one who brought pain to your life can be used by God to bring victory in your life and defeat over the devil. Even the relationship that caused you heartache, God can turn it around and resurrect power to overcome your fear. And I speak prophetically to you today and to every relationship that Satan and his demons will be crushed under your feet. Every attack of the enemy against your relationship is being defeated today by the blood of Jesus. God gave Eve a prophecy of hope, and then we see a pronouncement of hope. In Genesis 3.20, the Bible says, Adam named his wife Eve because she would be the mother of all who live. So Adam overcame the blame game and pronounced hope to his wife. He named her the mother of all living. He blessed her with a new name. He blessed her with a new future. He spoke blessing to her, and he pronounced it by faith and it's clear that he drew her near for it was only by embracing her and giving her his seed that this promise could be fulfilled. So Adam spoke what would be not what he could see. And when you speak hope and pronounce blessings in your family and in your relationships, you open the door for relationship rescue. 
Some of you here today would save your marriage this week if you simply went home and started speaking life and hope and blessings to your wife and children instead of cursing and complaining and blaming. Once there was a woman named Judith, and she went to her friend, Auntie Gloria, to complain about her wicked husband. She wanted a divorce. Judith started weeping as she told Auntie Gloria all the terrible things her husband had done and how she suffered. Well, Auntie Gloria says, it seems to me that your husband has done a lot of really bad things. I suggest you do your best to hurt him just as badly as he hurt you. And exactly how can I do that, Judith said. Well, Auntie Gloria replied, here's what I recommend. Do not divorce him at once. Begin from today to treat him like a king. Act like you love him. Cook very special food for him. Shower him with compliments. Embrace him and kiss him every time he comes home. No matter what he says or does, pretend that you are not annoyed. Treat him the way you did when you were first engaged. What? Judas said. Why should I do that? Auntie Gloria replied, because when you do, you will make your husband happy. You will make him want you. You'll make him madly in love with you. And then when he's fallen for you and he's really happy with you, you turn around and stab him in the back, divorce him, walk out on him. It will be such a shock. It will devastate him. Judith was happy. She said, I'm going to try it. And the plan seemed perfect. So unhappy Judith set out to make her husband happy so she could later turn and stab him in the back and make him suffer. Six months went by, and the two ladies met by chance one day at Accra Mall. Gloria asked Judith, are you ready to divorce that worthless husband now? But Judith gave an answer that shocked Auntie Gloria. Oh, no, Judith said. I could never leave my husband now. I took your advice to treat him well because I wanted him to suffer when I left him. But when I started treating him well, he started to change. In fact, we're more in love now than we were when we got married. And so it is for all of us. If you start speaking love and showing love and planting seeds of love, then love will grow in your relationships. And I declare to you today that life and love will come into your marriage. I declare life and love will come to your engagement. I declare life and love will come to your family. Every family will be destroyed. Every marriage will be revived. Every relationship will bring forth life. For God prophesied hope. And Adam pronounced hope. And then God gave Adam and Eve a provision of hope. In verse 21 it says, God made garments and clothes 
clothe them. In spite of what Adam and Eve had done, God made provision for them. He made a way out of the pain and a way out of the shame and a way out of the blame and the division and the doubt. He overcame fear and restored fellowship. And God has a provision for you today. God has a provision for your marriage. God has a provision for your family. God has a provision for your home. God has a pronouncement of hope and a pronouncement of life and a prophecy and provision for you to receive hope and healing today. No matter how painful, there is hope. His blood can cover every sin. His life can overcome every spirit of death attacking your relationship. His resurrection power can restore hope and life and strength and favor to your marriage, to your dating, to your family, to your friendship, to every area of your life. God will do it for you. That's why relationship rescue takes us back to the basics. You've got to make God the center of your relationship. And to do that, you've got to make God the center of your life. Reject the myth of self-reliance. You need God to succeed in life and in relationships. For no matter where you are, no matter what relationship you have, God can locate you and rescue you. He can bring you back and take you safely home. That's the lesson we can learn from the amazing true story of a man named Fong Lee. On October 8th last year, Fong Lee and his two friends set out in a fishing boat to fish for red snapper. But soon after they'd gone out to the sea in the Gulf of Mexico, rough waters began to pound their boat, rocking the boat, and the boat began to take in water. The men had just two minutes to prepare before their boat capsized and they were left in the ocean clinging to two coolers to stay alive. Fong Li and his friends did everything they could to get help, but there wasn't much they could do in the middle of the ocean. They had their coolers to keep them afloat. They tried to call for help, but on their mobile phone, there was no service in the middle of the ocean. They tried to propel themselves on their coolers to get out of danger, but they couldn't make progress. Then as the dark of night settled in, a shark began to circle the desperate men. Jellyfish began to sting them. The cold water sapped their strength. There was no way out. Fong Li and his friends needed a miraculous rescue. After surviving in the cold water for 24 hours, time was running out. Fong eventually decided to set off from his two friends and try to swim somewhere, hoping to get to a boat that could help them. After swimming for about a mile with no help in sight, Fong, in one last desperate attempt, took his mobile phone from the waterproof case and held it up one more time. His battery was about to die, but in that instant, just as all hope was fading, Fong got service. His mobile phone pinged a tower and his message got through. Within 30 minutes, Fong Li was rescued and pulled from the ocean. 20 minutes later, his two friends were also rescued. When hope was dying, when the battery was dying, when there was no help in sight, a last chance message got through and three men were rescued. 
Friends, if Fong Li's phone could signal a tower in the middle of the ocean, then your prayer can reach God today. If Fong Li could survive nearly 28 hours in cold waters with a shark and jellyfish holding onto a cooler with no cell service, with no help in sight, if he could survive that, then God can pull you out from whatever you're facing today. For God is near to you. He will hear you when you call. He will answer you. God will rescue you. So hear the word of the Lord to you today from Isaiah 41.10. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And to everyone who is lonely today, God says, I'm here with you. To everyone who is hurting today, God says, I'm here to help you. To everyone who's confused, God is here to uphold you. Let your prayer ping heaven's tower. For God will locate you and God will rescue you. He will save you and strengthen you and help you. Let's stand to our feet right now and call upon the Lord. Make him the center of your relationship. Lift up your hand and say, Lord, rescue me. Lord, locate me. Lord, pull me out of the deep waters. Give me relationship rescue. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you for listening to this message. Reverend Richard C. Whitcomb is the senior pastor of Agape House New Testament Church in East Legon. If you are ever in Accra, we would like you to worship with us on Saturday night at 6 p.m., or on Sunday at 7.30 a.m., 9.30 a.m., and 11.30 a.m. You will have an awesome experience.